I heard it with my very ears. In two days' time, I'm going to be handed over to be crucified, he said. Crucified, a criminal's death. The cruelest and most degrading form of execution. He'd said such things before, of course. He'd once said that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third, he said, said something about on the third day be raised to life or something like that. Peter had very sensibly tried to talk him out of it. But this time, when he said it, it sounded for real. Two days' time, he said. And that was always as we were getting nearer and nearer to Jerusalem. In fact, we found ourselves just two miles down the road in Bethany, in the home of Simon, Lazarus, Martha and Mary. Right there in the middle of supper, Mary comes up behind Jesus and she has this jar, this little alabaster jar in her hands and she breaks it over his head and out pours this, this perfume. And the whole place was a stench. Of course, I spoke up because I knew how much that was worth. That could have been sold, that jar of perfume, and the money given to the poor. What a waste just to pour it out like that. Well, I spoke up first, but all the others agreed with me. The disciples did, and all the other people who are standing around the table listening and watching Then Jesus muttered something about being anointed for burial, and I thought, that's death again. <laughs> and I think you really are serious about your death wish, aren't you? So I make up my mind. Get out while you can, Judas, I say to myself. If he's determined to jump, well, you give him a little push. Turn over to the authorities, are so keen to see the back of him, and see if you can make a little bit of profit in the process. So I take myself along to the chief priests. I knew they wouldn't dare arrest him in full daylight, in full view of the crowd. There's too many of the crowd, ignorant people they are, who are on, still on his side. So I offer to the chief priests to identify him for them quietly and secretly. What's it worth to you, I say to the chief priests, if I do that for you? And they start counting out some money, and I thought, I wonder how much they're going to give me. 30. 30 denarii. That's what a man could earn in a month. I thought, that's not a bad profit for a few seconds work. Yep, I'll accept that. Deal done. I'll do it. At the first opportunity, I'll do it. Why did I do it? 
Well, disappointment, bitter disappointment. I'd pinned my hopes on him, just as many others had. We thought he was going to be the one who would free us from those tyrannical Romans. You know, a freedom fighter. To lead us into freedom, liberation, victory. Yet we thought he might be some kind of messiah. But I'm sorry, he just turned out to be the wrong kind of a messiah. A failed messiah. Yeah, disappointed in him. Bitterly disappointed in him. Why did I do it? Well, I suppose I was trying to recoup some of my losses. I'd followed him around for the last three years. I mean, think of what I'd given up in those three years. I'm sorry to mention it again, but the money I could have been earning. Three years of my life, wasted, spent away, following him around, and now he says, I'm going to die, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be stuck on a cross, crucified. I've spent so much on him, wasted so much on him, I deserve something back. Don't you agree? That woman should have given her precious heirloom to me. I would have known what to do with it. I would have sold it. Yes, and I would have given some of the proceeds to charity. Yeah, I'd have done that. And after all, charity begins at home, doesn't it? So I think number one gets a decent cut of the proceeds from that alabaster jar of nard. Why else did I do it? Well, because I didn't want to be on the losing side. I want to be on the winning side. Who wants to side with a loser? This woman can if she wants to. But it's clear that the powers that be have the upper hand. They have the power. They have the authority. They don't have all that leadership for nothing. They must know what they're doing. If you can't beat them, Join them. It's getting a bit lonely being on his team. I'm going to switch to the winning side. Yeah, disappointed in him. Yep, recouping some of my losses. Payback time, I think. And yeah, wanting to be on the winning side for once. And not on the losing side. So what would you have done? I mean, if you'd in, in, my, in my position, what would you have done? Think about it. I know I'm no saint, but neither am I a monster. I'm not from a different planet from you. I'm probably more like you than you might care to admit. Have you never felt disappointed with Jesus? Have you never contemplated walking away? Have you never considered looking after number one for a little while? Have you never just wanted to start going with the flow rather than that constantly swimming against the tide? Think about it 
under those circumstances, are you sure that you wouldn't have done what I did? I heard it with my very ears. In two days' time, I'm going to be handed over to be crucified. A criminal's death, the cruelest and most degrading form of execution. He'd said such things before, of course. He once said that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Peter had tried to talk him out of it. This time it sounded real and very close. Two days' time, he said. Jesus and his disciples were gathered around the meal table at our own home in in Bethany, just two miles down the road from Jerusalem. Right there in the middle of supper, I make up my mind. It's now or never. I ask myself, what's the most precious thing I own? And immediately I think of this little jar, alabaster jar it was, full of really quite expensive perfume. I don't know how expensive it was. It had been the family for years. Anyway, I take it and I come up behind the master and I break this jar over his head and the oil comes running down. It covers his head and it comes down over his beard and it drips down onto his robe. The whole room is filled with the fragrance. And then I hear, or what I hear is a murmur, followed by a chorus of disapproval. What a waste, I hear voices saying. That's a year's wages she's just poured away. That money could have been given to the poor. Imagine how I felt. I didn't know how to answer them. They all seemed against me. But the master knew what to say to them. He said something like this. There are some things like giving to the poor that can be done at any time and should be done at any time. But there are some other things that can only be done once at a particular time. She, he said, looking at me, she has done a beautiful thing. What a thing for the master to say. 
why did I do that? Why did I take that expensive jar and pour that oil over his head and his body? Why did I do it? Well, to express my love, for one thing. He loved us. I mean, he loved everyone he came into contact with, but I know he loved us, me and my sister Martha and Lazarus. He really loved us. And I just felt I wanted to give that love back. He loved us first, and we just wanted to love him back. Had he not graced our home on many occasions as an honoured guest, filling our home with the most loving of words and actions? Had he not restored our brother Lazarus to life? Lazarus had been put in, the, in his grave, all bound up in his grave clothes, stone rolled across. And Jesus gets the men to roll the stone back and he calls Lazarus out of the grave. Saying something to my sister like, I am the resurrection and the life. Amazing words and actions. And now he says that he's going to give his very life. And there must be a purpose to that. He wouldn't do it, just do it for fun. He wouldn't just do it because he was fed up with life. He was too full of life for any of that. He gave, gave, and gave out of love. I wanted to give something back in return out of love. Why else did I do that? thing with the jar and the perfume. Well, I'd heard him talk about his death, his death coming soon, and I thought, with a crucifixion, with a criminal's death, he's not even going to be allowed a proper burial. I will do the honourable thing now to prepare him for burial. I'll give him something decent to do with his burial now. And Jesus saw that as well, because he said to those around the table, when she poured perfume on my body, she did it to prepare, for, to prepare me for burial. Yes, I did it out of love. I did it to prepare him for what he said was coming. Well, there's a third reason, too, why I did that. I did it to anoint him as true Messiah. I didn't really understand it at the time, but as I reflect now on the events that unfolded over the next few days... Jesus entering Jerusalem as a king. The high priest questioning him about being the Messiah. 
him being crucified with that title over the cross as king of the Jews, him being mocked as Messiah, the king of Israel, and even one of his executioners saying, surely this man was the son of God, I realized there was more meaning in what I did for him then than even I realized at the time. I was anointing him as King Messiah. It seemed at the time that I did what I could for him for these kind of reasons. And yet it seemed in so many ways that the whole thing was spinning out of control. Things looked utterly bleak for Jesus and for all who knew and loved and followed him. Evil surely had the upper hand. And yet Jesus went resolutely forward. Jesus would often say, you know, I must do this, or I must do that, as if there there were an inner God-given compulsion for him to do the things that he did. And he knew that he must be in that place, Jerusalem, at that time, Passover. Passover, the time of God's great deliverance, time of deliverance in the past. Now Jesus must do something similar at this year's Passover. There was an underlying purpose to the whole thing, which meant that in all that turmoil, he could have stillness and calmness of mind. Even the treacherous plots of Judas and the chief priests could not do anything except work out God's will. There's one more thing you know that I often reflect on. Jesus said this, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she, referring to me, Mary, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Well, gospel means good news. There we are contemplating his death in a few days' time, and he's talking about worldwide, age-long announcement of good news. He must know that something wonderful lay beyond his execution. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said that. And he said the story, my little story, would be told alongside his story for generations to come. I don't know if you noticed, but when Matthew told the story, he didn't mention my name, Mary, 
when John came to tell the story, he did mention my name. I wonder if you've noticed that and wondered why. I can tell you the reason. In the early days, with Jesus himself being so hated and his followers being hated, what I did for him would have made me, would have put me in great danger. Matthew also doesn't tell the story of what Jesus did for my brother, Lazarus, for the same reason. It would have put Lazarus in great danger to know that Jesus had done that for him, brought him back to life. So Lazarus' story doesn't get told at all by Mark or Matthew or Luke. My little story does get told by Mark and Matthew, but not by name, to protect us. John always said that he would write up his recollections of Jesus right at the end of his life, when it, our enemies would be themselves dead and gone, when it was safe to tell the story of my brother Lazarus and mention me by name for what I did for the Master. Little did I know that when I broke that little alabaster jar and poured that oil over his head, that my little story would be told along with the big story of Jesus and his love for generations to come. And so I learnt that nothing done for Jesus is ever wasted or forgotten. Well, what would you have done under the circumstances? Would you have responded to all of that love with hatred? with treachery, with neglect, with apathy? Or would you have responded as I responded and so many others have responded with love and adoration and, yeah, service in his name? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Please stand with us as we sing. <clears throat> 